Welcome back to the Interpreting Wine podcast with me, your host and podcast founder, Lawrence Francis. Today's episode marks the halfway point of my Lost Episode series and features a tasting with pandemonium wines. In what is one of the most comprehensive portfolio tastings I've ever recorded for the podcast, Willem and Priyanka of Pandemonium Wines take us on a virtual tour of Slovakia its history and terroir, and of course its wonderful wines. This is the first time that I'm covering Slovakian wine in such depth, and even though this was recorded back in April 2018, and many of these vintages are no longer available, there is so much information here, especially if you've never explored this fascinating winemaking country. Enjoy! Uh, I was born in in uh, Slovakia uh, in a family which uh, both parts from mother side and father side uh, were um, working uh, and then making wines. Uh, so the history uh, was there. Of course, the collectivization and communism sort of like uh, you know did, did mess in our countries. Uh, but still, uh, my my father uh, until today is producing for household usage, uh, basically of consumption, uh, the wines. Uh, so I was around since you know like early age, uh, and I was drinking the our house wine of course since fifteen. <laughs> um, uh, and then uh, I started to travel around, and uh, I moved when I was entering to 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 Prague to study there, and started to uh, more enjoy uh, the conventional wine making of Moravia, um, uh, which is great. Uh, but I was not really exposed to any uh, wines of of West really. Um, and uh, really, I, I remember my first uh, trip to Italy when I was maybe like 20, 21, and I started to uh, explore. Uh, we went to uh, just random conventional, conventional um, uh, grocery store and uh, bought a few wines there and started to explore. And I realized those are great wine, but uh, they are not that different or not that uh, or Czech wines or Slovak wines are not inferior. They are great wines too. Uh, so that was the moment when I sort of realized that the wines produced in, in Central Europe can compete uh, with the wines of West. Um, then a big step forward again in that thinking of uh, working with wine was uh, when I started to uh, come often to London. That's maybe like three years ago. Uh, uh, my uh, Basically our branch is here. Uh, so I was uh, coming for business trips. Uh, and every time we went out, uh, first at colleagues, later on with my uh, with my current girlfriend and uh, with the friends. Uh, and uh, every time when I went to the uh, restaurant, I was presented with a book of wine. And there were three you know, uh, pages of French wine, three uh, pages of Italian wine, then a little bit of uh, Spanish, a little bit of Portugal, then New World, of course, and then rest of the world. And there was maybe one Croatian, Croatian, and maybe one Hungarian. And I was all the time thinking, like, why is this? Why, why there is no, you know, wine from our countries? Which deep in me, I thought they are not inferior or very good. Um, so that was sort of like uh, behind my head uh, thought: uh, Why is this happening? And really. Uh, I was interested in changing it. Uh, so uh, I'm every time I'm saying that for me is really uh, bringing the Slovak and Czech wine winemakers to to London, sort of uh, sort of my own quest to uh, sort of wave the flag uh, of winemaking in here. I was born and grew up in Australia, so the wines that were sort of 
you know on the table and and at restaurants were were very much um you know new world different style although uh, I was exposed to obviously French Italian and some Spanish um there was one evening that I went out for dinner with two friends uh we went to a lovely steak restaurant and we ordered a piece of steak and a waiter recommended um a Clare Valley Shiraz and it was just mind-blowing it is burned in my memory the wine itself but also just the combination of the wine and the food and the experience like that's one wine moment that I will always think about throughout my life um I have to confess that you know I've I've enjoyed wine tasting wine um and sort of you know enjoying it with friends um I've always sort of seen it as as a experiential type thing uh for, for a while um but it wasn't until I came to London um and joined uh like got my current job that I started to meet people who had a much sort of deeper interest in wine and it's through that sort of exposure um to to that depth that I got really really interested in learning more um and then and then after William and I met we were discussing specifically the gaps uh in in London market and what what we did see here what we didn't see here and and what was really good and, and what we thought should be here um we visited some winemakers and um yeah pandemonium was born so as i mentioned uh, i i grew up in the uh, sort of house, household which uh, or, or my parents uh they made wine so i was familiar with the, with the processes how to make house wine um i'm not schooled uh, i don't have any certification i understand wine from the point of drinking it and enjoying it uh it's really about uh for me what i like and what i don't like um the the entry point for me to to natural wine was really uh prank prankas um sort of uh, problem with the sulfites uh where uh, when she drinks uh, conventional wine making wine making which is full of preservative uh, the hives sort of starts uh so that was the point where um uh, we started to look more on natural wine making uh and realize that those um concepts or those processes in how the natural wine making uh is basically made are very uh, common uh, what what we did i'm not i'm not uh, familiar with those uh, big uh, sort of like producers which knock off 100,000 bottles a year and they have all the processes and controlled things uh but i know what uh, or i i feel for the natural wine makers how they do it Today we'll be traveling around Slovakia a bit. Um we will uh, move from west to east. Um Slovakia is sort of horizontally oriented in terms of the shape. Um so uh we will start in a western part uh wine region of Little Carpathian. Uh from there we will be uh tasting uh two winemakers. Uh one is uh Presburgenland uh Wineschloss Malaček uh who is uh, already by the name uh the listener can understand that uh is rooted very much in Austro-Hungarian uh empire sort of wine making or uh, his Uh, uh he likes the history of it um the other winemaker uh, is Jive Vino which can be loosely translated to uh a live wine uh i i really like this uh winemaker or this this house so they are really true uh to the no waste uh 
policy, let's say, uh, where they are uh, really uh, working with uh, with the barrels in a way uh, they are not uh, wasting, they are not wasting the wine, uh, they are not wasting any produce uh, which is created in a vineyard, not only grapes. Uh, so uh, the first uh, winemaker from the Little Carpathian uh, region, as I mentioned, is a uh, Pressburger Land Weinschloss Malacek. Uh, from uh, this winemaker, we are currently importing uh, two wines, both uh, white slash skin contact slash orange. Um, although uh, we are uh, definitely looking into uh, bringing his reds, which are amazing as well. Um, uh, Mr. Malacek is uh, using uh, for the white wines or skin contact wines, uh, to uh, varieties uh, called Rotgipfler and Zinfandler Roth. It rolls out sometimes pretty hard from the from the tongue. These are uh, very common in uh, Austrian winemaking. Uh, usually they are used for blends, uh, especially in conventional winemaking. So it's really hard to find them as a single varietal wines and it's even more rare to have it in a natural uh, wine making take on. Uh, so uh, about the first or both of the wines are very fragrant. Fragrant. Um, uh, the Rotgipfler uh, feels uh, dry. Uh, the Zinfandel and Roth, uh, f- it's still dry wine, but it feels uh, a little bit off dry in terms of of taste. Uh, but if you look at the residual sugar, it's it's dry wine. Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, I'm struggling actually to to draw out a descriptor here on the nose um simply because it's so um vegetal in a way it's like in a in a really positive way it's very herbaceous for me and you know i'm i've not sniffed that many herbs in my life so <laughs> i'm not the best at, at describing the herbs and and for me that's even coming through more than the the fruit on the nose which i i love and um i don't know if you've been to the winery but it often suggests and gives a clue about how the how the winery actually looks and it tends to be uh more greener and you know there's more herbs and vegetation around to influence the the wine when it comes through we are about to uh indulge in the second uh wine of uh Pressburger Land Weichlos Malacek and uh, the Zirfan Leroth uh which has much uh more uh flowery notes than vegetable notes definitely sort of uh a little bit of honey uh, that's that's actually interesting. Every time when I'm tasting with the people with the different countries, with a different uh, you know, sort of background, they feel different notes in it because those are imprinted in your mind as you are growing up. Uh, you are eating different food. You are living in a different terroir of your really. Uh, so it's interesting like to listen to other people, uh, what they really think and what they feel, what they what they find out uh, or, or, or explore in, in the wine. So uh, that's, that's uh, for me, I just sort of sniffing and giving my 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 notes but uh very welcome um to hear what 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 are your findings this feels uh sort of off dry um more uh, or more off dry than the previous one definitely uh, but it still has very nice uh, acidity which is actually uh i would say signature for all of the wines uh produced in in Slovakia as it is uh basically one of the northern uh, uh wine making region in Europe so we have much colder uh, climate uh, and that and also in a combination of uh, with, or, or combination with uh, with soils it provides this nice acidity and also approach of some winemakers who are harvesting uh, the grapes when uh, they are not fully ripe or overripe to keep the acidity in it uh, that's 
all this combination of three uh, variables is basically creating beautiful wines and with this signature uh, sort of robust uh, acidity in it. I got to tell you, I'm, <laughs> you can probably tell I've got a big smile on my face. I totally love that wine. Um, and the, the word that's like flashing out for me when I drink that is versatility. Because as you said before, I'm not saying these are warm, but they are, you perhaps might have these more, slightly more chilled. But this is almost, you know, you know in a really positive way, it's, it's, it almost reminded me of like a, a really good dessert wine. You know, dessert wine that's not sticky and is not kind of, you know, gummy in the mouth. But it's just got so much of those floral notes are coming through from the nose and in the mouth. But then I could imagine this being chilled and, and getting a, a different sensation from it. So this is just super, super versatile. All of the things you just said about balance and um, and perfume and um, go along with that. And uh, yeah, you know, 2016, I'm guessing the percentage here. So yeah, like another 12.5%. Lovely, lovely wine. Yeah, this is this is cool. If I could say one thing, uh, one more thing about these wines, um, I think I would call them siblings. They share common characteristics, but they have, you know, their own distinct personalities. I think they both express ter- the, the terroir um, really well, uh, and you can tell there's been a lot of, of love put into both of them. Cool. So we're still in the same wine region, um, but a different winemaker this time. Uh, so we're moving on to Givet Vino, which, as William mentioned, is uh, means... Uh, a live wine. Um, what I love about this winemaker is that it's the same family of wines each year, um, all a skin contact, and they make four wines every vintage, um, and they're no waste. They have a no waste policy. So basically, they will um, make each grape uh, to to its sort of you know fullest potential. Um, and then once it's time to, to, to blend and bottle, they will pick and choose um, the best of each vintage. And they won't throw away the rest. They will make uh, liqueur or uh, brandy. Uh, nothing goes to waste. So we're going to start with the, the Blanc wine. Um, the Blanc is for, for the 2015 vintage. It's uh, 85% Muller Turgau. Excuse my poor pronunciation. And uh, the remaining 15% is Rhine Riesling. Um, in, t- in 2015, they had a great year with, with Rhine uh, Riesling, but uh, that's one that uh, they say is uh, can be temperamental. So it's not always included in the vintage, but we got lucky. Um, so this one, uh, the, the Müller was on skin contact for about eight days. The Rhine a little bit longer, so about, about 14 um, and then they were blended in steel tanks for a couple of months uh, before bottling. And they were matured in, in acacia barrels, in old acacia barrels, so to preserve the, the flavors of the, the grapes. So as, as, you, as you sniff it or when you uh, start uh, enjoy the wine, uh, it's, it opens very nicely. Uh, the fragrance is coming uh, mostly from uh, Müller-Turgau, of course, because there is 85% of it. Uh, but what I really like about this wine is also the fact that uh, Müller-Turgau uh, is in a wine from 2015. Um, usually in Slovakia and Czech Republic, um, uh, the Müller-Turgau uh, is used for uh, two 
sort of different usage than just wine uh, uh, or aged wine. Uh, first of all, a lot of winemakers are actually selling uh, Miller Tergau uh, Burchak. Uh, Burchak is uh, basically uh, fermenting juice. Uh, so when you have the highest point of fermentation, sort of two, three, four days in the fermentation, uh, we are drinking it. We are loving it. Uh, there is a saying that uh, you should every year uh, drink as much burchak as much blood you have in your veins to sort of change blood uh, so uh, a lot of miller tergau uh, juice is actually sold uh, as a burchak and the other uh, sort of uh, way uh, how it gets to the market very early is the young wine production so a lot of young wine sort of Beaujolais Nuovo style um, uh, wines are uh, or gets to the market uh, and they are made from uh, Miller Turgau. So uh, getting a Miller Turgau in vintage 2015, in the year 2018, uh, it's not very common. So we're going to move on to our second uh, in the Givet Vino family, and this one's called Orange or Orange. Um, this one is a blend of three grapes. So it's 75% uh, Welsh Riesling, which is, strangely enough, not related to Ryan Riesling. That is something that I learned last year. Um, then there's 20% of Gruner, uh, Veltliner, and for the remaining 5% is Gewurz Traminer. And for me personally, it's the, the 5% Gewurz that sort of hits when I, when I smell this wine, um, which is quite interesting because it's, only, it's still only 5% of the composition. So I, I maybe just add that um, uh, the 14 days of uh, skin uh, contact or fermentation, it's not all in that uh, wine as uh, the winemaker after uh, the maceration uh, transfer the juice and wine, basically young wine, into acacia barrel. But also with that wine, uh, 20 kilos of those skins are added to the uh, barrel for the whole time of aging for 10 months so this creates uh, a beautiful fruitiness in that wine uh, which a lot of people really really enjoy so the next wine we're going to is Rishak uh, or ginger in Slovak it is a field blend of six grapes three white and three red uh, beautiful wine uh, all the grapes are harvested to put together spontaneous fermentation and they're put into oak barrels for about 12 months um, before uh, before bottling. The result of the winemaking here uh, is a beautiful wine which wedge uh, in between rosé and red. Uh, again, uh, the robust acidity uh, which beautifully lingers on the, on the uh, tongue uh, is present. And the wine is amazing for uh, food pairing, uh, especially with some spicy food, because it beautifully cleanses the palate. Uh, but usually when we open just two of us a bottle, it's a bottle for one hour and a half and it's done, because it's highly, highly, highly drinkable. So we are going to the last bottle of uh, Juve Vino, or the variety of uh, Juve Vino uh, wines. Uh, the name is Karmazin, uh, which uh, is a color of red uh, in Slovak language. Um, this is a blend, again, uh, of Blaufrankish 60% and 40% of Zweigeld. Again, uh, beautiful maceration on skin and then goes to the barrel. Um, I don't like to talk about this wine, I like to drink it, so let's go. 
I purposely have stayed quiet through those because I think it just it helps probably for me to come in at the end and talk about the themes, especially as we've been having four wines there. Um, I re- I love all of those. Like I just think they're all really nicely balanced. I, I you know take your point around the acidity. I think later on there with the it's not a rosé, but the, with the with the the white and red blend, and now with the red, uh, there's more um, food type characteristics, more gas- gastronomic <laughs> characteristics coming out here. A little bit more salinity, um, a little bit more complexity. Um, I love it, and I, I just question really. I think I just want to know about the age of these vines, um, and yeah, how long these guys have been have been making wine. Behind the, the, the brand of Givevino, there are really uh, two guys um, uh, who had a other wine project before, uh, which was uh, more to conventional winemaking, and this is their real natural winemaking end-to-end, starting in the vineyard, ending in the cellar. Uh, uh, they moved basically their, to, to their uh, current cellar in 2007, and they were really shaping the wine 2007-8, uh, nine, uh, and really like the production, or 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 they established themselves in uh, around 2009. Uh, currently, they are producing around uh, seven eight thousand um, uh, bottles a year. Uh, as was uh, previously said, uh, there is a variety in terms of vintage to vintage, uh, as was mentioned with the with the Ryan Riesling in the Blanc, uh, or it, in the uh, the Richac, uh, because there are three whites three reds so not every time everything is amazing um and uh, they as, as mentioned they they are sort of having the no no wasting policy so even though uh let's say some barrel doesn't perform anymore anymore uh lately they started to use uh some barrels which were not great for the wine uh for the lambic beers uh or uh as mentioned ryan riesling is not performing well so it turned into spirit and they have absolutely marvelous uh liquor made from sour cherry and mulberry we are going to try as well the wines are uh around 30 40 years old uh so they are well developed in terms of root system now we are moving a bit south east from little carpathian wine region uh to uh terra strekov uh where amazing wines are being produced and amazing grapes are being grown um, uh, the listeners might be uh, familiar with other houses there. Uh, we are uh, importing currently three winemakers uh, from this region. Uh, one is Casting Winery, uh, the other is uh, Mr. Melechki, Tibor Melechki, uh, and Matthias Pince. All of these wines are uh, natural, natural fermentation, uh, bio regime in the vineyards, uh, and just amazing, amazing wines. We dived in the production of uh, Casting Winery. Uh, we, we have uh, currently the uh, Gruner Weltliner or Weltlin Zelani, Weltlinske Zelane, uh, Surli. Uh, that means the wine uh, was kept on a fine lease uh, throughout the whole uh, fermentation and aging of the, of the wine. Uh, uh, it's nicely barreled. Uh, it uh, has a beautiful notes of that Weltliner, so a little bit of spiciness on the, on the nose, a little bit of spiciness in your mouth. Um, uh, I like this wine because 
if you put it next to the uh, any conventional winemaking wine, uh, it's uh, very hard to tell difference. Some of, some of the natural winemakers uh, they really like the funkiness in the wine. Uh, some uh, are sort of schooling the wine into tones of uh, the conventional winemaking and preserving the whole uh, sort of terroir and, and natural winemaking in in them. So uh, this wine is really appealing uh, to a people who are not into that funkiness if natural winemaking but still they want to have uh, natural wine in their glass. We are diving into uh, Welsh Riesling of uh, Kashnik winery uh, called Nababuliach. Uh, this is uh, wine made uh, from as mentioned uh, Welsh Riesling uh, grapes and interesting on, uh, in this wine is that uh, the 30 kilos of hand-selected uh, picked berries, full berries, not crushed berries, were added to the barrel as well with the wine and kept there for the whole time of uh, fermentation and aging of the wine. And this provided a beautiful outcome in the wine and preserved the fruitiness. And when you will drink it, uh, you will have a beautiful long linger of uh, when, when you basically bite into the fresh grape of Welsh Riesling in your mouth. That will be, that will be the last taste which will linger on your, in, in your mouth. We're moving on to the Maria Cuvée uh, of Kashnik, and it's uh, it, it's made using your familiar Bordeaux variety, so a third of Cabernet Sauvignon, a third Merlot, and a third Cabernet Franc. Um, I think if you, you know, personally, if I was to have this in a blind tasting, it would be difficult for me to discern that this was not an old world wine. I think it it gives a lot of the familiar earthy dark fruit notes of the of, of these grapes that you would expect um it's 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 almost a trick that that it's a not uh, that it's not an old world wine but it is very quaffable and 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 one of those sort of what i would call a warm blanket wine i would like to point out one more beautiful bottle from uh, kashning winery called ali bernet uh, it's a single variety no sulfur added uh, ali bernet red wine uh, Ali Bernet is um, used in Slovakia uh, and it was uh, bred in Crimea in the 50s. Uh, and uh, the wine or the grape was used as a coloring wine mostly uh, for the blends uh, or like small additive to a red wines, single varietal red wines. Um, the winery is producing single variety Ali Bernet, no sulfur added under the glass vinolog. And this wine is just amazing. It's it's ink dark, it very 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 dark color. Uh, it has beautiful notes of uh, red and blackberries on the nose, uh, and in the taste, it's full bodied, beautiful tannins, a uh, lot of uh, sort of um, gemmed uh, berries, cranberry, mulberry, uh, sour cherries. This is amazing, right? Uh, amazing for for pairing as well um, I'm, I'm very very happy that i have uh, this wine and and i can enjoy it at home sometimes i'll keep this fairly brief but i love that warm blanket wine you know a description of the maria cuvee i, I call this a smiley wine because uh, as you can tell you know i try this and i love it you know it's just it's just all of the things that you've just said so there's not really too much need to talk about it but it's just just like a pleasure to drink you know i don't think there's enough really said about that you know where we can at times overanalyze wines and it's just 
it just slips down lovely and if we were just sort of sitting here as friends around the table this wouldn't last long <laughs> um but yeah really yeah in, interesting shift um i think overall those wines they're reminding me and they're making me think much more of gastronomy i would say than the than the than the first batch um but yeah just yeah really nice to take this journey around slovakia and see what else is out there we are staying in the village of Streko, really, or Strekov um, uh, wine uh, region. Uh, we are on a visit with Tibor Melečky. Uh, we are going to try two, his, uh, two of his reds. Uh, one is uh, Dunai, uh, which is very special grape. Uh, this is amazing grape, which is creating, uh, can create naturally wines uh, without adding any extra alcohol easily 16-17% which is uh, sort of like port style wines um, and then we will try his uh, cuvée uh, or blend which is from uh, also Dunai, Pinot Noir and uh, Blau Frankish. Uh, talking about uh, Tibor can take an hour uh, but I will very uh, simplify it. Tibor is really true to handcraft of the wine um, working in the vineyards mean no automation at all. Uh, those are all single post or uh, single pole vineyards. Uh, he is very particular about uh, the yield sort of reduction. So he extracts the best uh, from the uh, grapes or from the from the vineyard uh, and from the soil. Uh, when it comes to cellar, uh, again, very very uh, handcrafted approach. Uh, the wine never uh, experienced any uh, physical uh, sort of pressure or anything. He doesn't believe in pumping wine. He doesn't believe in any uh, mechanization. Everything is uh, just uh, gravity and natural processes. Um, uh, his approach to the uh, using of uh, sulfur uh, uh, translates to that as well. He believes uh, in uh, either no sulfur or very, 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 very limited sulfur. Uh, when he talks about uh, the sulfites, he is basically um, saying that it's like when you are uh, cooking the uh, the soup, uh, you need to add a little bit of uh, you know uh, spices or something to make it like good, uh, and that translates to you know uh, levels of thirty milligrams in, in liter. Um, uh, his white wines are produced uh, in uh, ceramic watts. Uh, he made uh, sort of shaped for him uh, 330 liters uh, ceramic, um, sort of uh, not quevery but uh, but watts, uh, and he puts everything in it. So basically, he crushes the uh, the the grapes, and the grapes with the juices are going to the vats, and uh, and they are staying there for three, four months. So it's a very long skin uh, fermentation on skin. Uh, and you can imagine that uh, after those three months in that vat, uh, you have basically three layers. The, the very bottom layer is yeast and sort of uh, uh, seeds and everything. Then you have the clear wine, and then you have the skins. Uh, so from 330 liters of wine, he's producing around 100 liter of uh, oh, sorry, for three, 330 liters of grapes and wine, he's producing around 100 liters of clear wine. So I just wanted to add a little bit uh, about our visit with, with Tibor. Um, I think from the moment we, we walked in uh, to his, uh, you know, when, when, when you walk in, you're first sort of greeted with, with a really warm dining table. And, but what really stands out to you is, is these giant 
custom made ceramic i i would even call them jars they 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 look like um you know they they look like jars um and it was sort of very clear from from the minute that we walked in um that he was a meticulous person that he put thought and care into arranging every aspect of 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 his environment and our sort of first thoughts were only confirmed by you know when we sat down for a meal with him the the bread was made by hand from a local baker the the goulash was fresh and and made by a local friend from i think lo- locally uh reared uh cows and uh um and 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 as you walked in in his cellar and he sort of explained the the arrangement of of, of the barrels and everything to you you could tell that he had um planned this out in in great detail too and i think it's very difficult to translate um you know to to describe uh verbally but i think that that's what really translates into into his wines we are very excited i would thrill that actually have his wines in london um uh, because uh tibor is well known persona of uh, slovak wine making and actually majority of his production is directly purchased by uh local wine lovers we are talking about very wealthy people who comes to a vineyard and buy thousand bottles on the spot uh and he actually saying that uh he believes that a lot of his wines uh what he has in his archives uh is very young comparing to a wines which are sitting in the archives of these these people um so actually having hands uh on even small uh uh batch as we have is absolutely uh, mind blowing for me that actually we 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 can have him in london one more thing to add um that that just you know go, goes to reiterate um about his sort of meticulousness and attention to detail is is the labels and i wish i could show you um you know as i'm as i'm saying this what they look like but he has the most you know one of the most sort of simple and elegant labels um that i've that i've seen on bottles uh it is again sort of um a no waste kind of approach he has a distinct set of grapes that he uses each year they're all listed out and every year he takes a a silver pen and um for each for each different wine he crosses out all of the grapes that he doesn't use um hopefully you all get to try or at least you know see one of his bottles and and you'll know what i mean but but this is just one thing uh, you know another thing that that uh you know was um quite fascinating and 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 mind-blowing when when we met him talking about phylloxera interesting fact uh, about the winemaking in Slovakia uh is uh that we were using a different roots stocks i believe this is the current term uh western part of europe uh, have been supported or survived uh phylloxera sort of plague uh using the american uh roots and plugging in the 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 chardonnay and all of these all of these grapes uh we were using the southern grapes uh or southern uh roots uh which uh, we basically brought uh Hungary and Slovakia and plucked in these old uh, grapes and um when sort of things uh, evolved uh these uh, of of course these roots were also bearing fruit uh which we called a uh, self-bearing grape or or uh, Croatian or uh Bulgar or 
all these names. I mean, you talk to old, uh, I would say, uh, uh, grandfathers, uh, they will give you all a different name. Um, so uh, after after sort of phylloxera was wiped out, uh, something called like a great book of wine, uh, wine grapes were created and uh, the real varieties were signed in, like Chardonnay, Rhine Riesling, Verschlingling, all of these. Uh, and this Horvat or Croatian or uh, self-bearing brood uh, was not recognized as a grape. So therefore, you cannot create a wine from this grape and call it Croatian and, 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 and sell it on the market. Uh, but, um, of course, in some vineyards, uh, these grapes are still uh, sort of are living. Uh, and these grapes are very, very, very interesting in terms of uh, um, uh, the the way how the uh, or of their their signatory taste and signatory uh, um, uh, smell and also the way how the wine is uh, sort of growing uh, so uh, we have actually uh, one wine uh, in 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 our uh, uh, portfolio let's say which we are going to taste uh, which is made from uh, this grape uh, this is not really for sale it's just for fun uh, created but by uh, guys from uh, marlatindo uh uh, call rap- uh, repayer uh it's really funny wine just for tasting i mean i love the stories of his uniqueness his meticulousness um and totally that comes out in the wine you know i'm struggling actually to think in my mental rolodex for a wine that i've ever had that is close to this deny and and i'm struggling I'm, I'm i'm coming up short you know there's there's nothing really there the the second here the the blend of deny the pinot noir and what is blau frankish um is more familiar to me um but even still you know there's there's just something that he's doing and something that he's capturing here that is is moorish but it's just again is totally unique and um, not like a Blau Frankish from Austria or one from Hungary. It's just really putting his unique stamp on this. This is delicious stuff. We are moving forward uh, to the central Slovakia to Tero Atjekov. Uh, Tero Atjekov is located uh, in volcanic soils. The volcanic soils are coming from uh, eruption of uh, uh, Stratovulcanus uh, Sitno, uh, which erupted three million years ago. So you can imagine that uh, the land, the soils are uh, minerally, uh, and actually we are talking about uh, uh, the tufts, uh, which are the sediments of uh, the ashes, volcano ashes. Uh, the the vineyards in there, uh, you can imagine that they are not totally, uh, let's say, unified in terms that you have one big. Uh, vineyard, but there are small patches in the different sort of steep hills, so uh, no mechanization uh, can be really used, so working in the vineyard is really hard. Uh, the land itself um, has only 30 to 40 centimeters of soil, and un- under that you have a, a solid bedrock of the volcanic ashes, as I mentioned. Uh, so the wines produced in this uh, terroir uh, have a high minerality. Uh, and are truly uh, volcanic wines. Uh, we will be talking about three winemakers, three friends, uh, who are uh, sort of working together, but all of them uh, making their own wines, but sharing the whole feeling for natural winemaking. Uh, the the first one uh, is Pinica Chaiko. Uh, the next one would be um, uh, Marvla Tindo. And the third one would be, would be uh, Pinica Brhlovce.
all of the guys are uh, growing uh, one uh, sort of signatory uh, grape, which is called Pesecka Leanka or Feteas Caragala. Uh, this is a grape which wandered over the centuries, really, from, from Romania throughout the Hungary all the way to Slovakia and sort of nested there. Uh, so this is a grape which all of three winemakers are sharing. Uh, all three have different approach to it, uh, how to work with the wine or with the, with the grape and shaping in a different way. All three, of course, amazing. <laughs> um, and then the another uh, sort of plot uh, in their cooperation are Pinots, uh, as um, the, pin, uh, the Pinitza Chaiko is using Pinot Gris uh, as uh, their Pinot. Uh, Marlatindo is using uh, Pinot Noir and uh, Pinitza Berlotze is using Pinot Blanc. So uh, they are sharing these two sort of um, plots in their winemaking and having fun with it. We are diving into Pesecka Leanka of uh, Pivnica Chaiko. Uh, Pivnica Chaiko is uh, producing two different take-ons on Pesecka Leanka. Uh, one is a stainless steel production to sort of pres- preserve uh, all the fruitiness, all the uh, beautiful uh, notes in it. Uh, the other one is called Rustical, uh, which is Pesecka Leanka in uh, the barrel, uh, which provides a nice sort of darker tones in, in, in uh, the color of wine and also rounding the whole uh, performance on your, on your, uh, on your tongue. Uh, still, uh, the the notes on no uh, the the notes on nose. It's sometimes hard to say. <laughs> uh, are very very uh, fruity and very floral, and same uh, applies to the taste. Um, uh, I really like about Pesetska Leanka all of the three producers I was talking about, uh, namely uh, Pinica Chaiko, Maulatindo, and Pinica Berloce, uh, that they are keeping their uh, Pesetska Leancas. Uh, in form of more uh, acidic wine uh, and it's really coming from the history of the winemaking in Slovakia where Pesecka Leanka uh, was uh, sort of a working wine in terms that people really drank it in the fields and it was very common to cut it with water so you took one, two bottles with you to the vineyard as you were working uh, you cut it uh, with the water and drink it uh, uh, during the day uh, and you don't want really uh, drink, you know, too much uh, fragrant, too much uh, sweet wine. Uh, therefore, they are keeping it beautiful, robust. I love actually the um, here's a good word juxtaposition of this wine with the last one because whereas the last one was did have that you know all of the the story of you know we're we're really kind of reducing down and we're we're drawing this out. This is then so much lighter and acidic wines you know it's like you had me at acidic you know it's like i love acidic wines this is then just like really cleansing out my palate and just with deliciousness i love it i would like to mention one feature of uh, pesetska leanka grapes Uh, they're very thin skin uh, and uh, they don't like to be pressed Uh, when you press them uh, they basically uh, are uh, behaving as alo- uh, the, the, the aluminium foil. So they, they break. Uh, so a lot of, uh, or it, you can find Pesetska Leanka from conventional winemaking in Slovakia, which is bitter. Uh, the reason behind is that the winemaker wants to get as much juice from the uh, grapes as much, and therefore it, they're pressing it. Uh, and as mentioned, after that, a lot of these tannins, a lot of these uh, bitterness is released to the to the juice and creates uh, not pleasant, to me at least, 
uh, tones in, in in the taste. There is a Devine wine in our in our, in our glasses. Uh, who, for those who are not familiar with the with the Devine grape, um, it's a crossbreed of uh, I believe Mirateurgau and Gewurztraminer. It produces beautifully fragrant wines, uh, usually uh, more to off dry or all the way to off sweet wines. But we are trying uh, the Pivnica Chaiko Devine dry, beautifully fully perfumed wine uh, with um, all the floral. Uh, sort of uh, uh, meadow when you are standing in the middle of meadow there are a lot of bees around you and you have these perfumes uh, in your in your in your in your nose and also in your mouth um, this is amazing wine in terms of uh, I, I'm, I'm not really uh, this, this is this is a nice wine to drink alone uh, I'm not sure about the wine pairing with the food, maybe with some cheeses, uh, more like a hard cheeses. Uh, def- definitely, I cannot imagine this uh, with some uh, like f- have it like a blue wine cheese or something like that. It would be it would be fighting each other, uh, but it's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful wine. Yeah, I've got to come in here because this is get again another really unique wine and um, a couple of things here. I, I love this is the you know the, all the volcanic um, soils that you've spoken about before. And the sweetness and the complexity and the volcanicity, I want to say, you know, the minerality, it just works. It just works so well together. You know, it really, it really does. Um, and another thing I'm just reminded of, uh, it's something I, I've used to describe another wine that I, I can't remember, but this wine is, is bear with me here. <laughs> this wine is, for me, is like, again, if perfume was edible, you know, if you know, like if you have a perfume and it actually tasted nice and you could drink it, that's this wine. It's lovely. It is so, it's so, so nice. But again, disclaimer, don't drink perfume. It doesn't taste nice as this wine. <laughs> Diving into a first uh, Pinot uh, represented in the three winemakers of, of uh, Sitno guys, uh, getting into uh, Pinot Gris uh, of uh, Pinica Chaikov. We have three bottles in here, actually, uh, because this uh, beautiful grape is used in three uh, different sort of like uh, take-ons. Uh, first of all, we have a uh, uh, pet nut uh, from Pinica Chaiko called Volcanica. Uh, it's beautiful orangey uh, lava-like uh, color. Uh, this is actually a marriage of uh, uh, Pesetska Leanka and the Pinot Gris. Uh, bubble, bubbly, yeasty everything what you expect of uh, of the pet nut. The other one uh, is very interesting wine. It's uh, sort of a test of the winemaker uh, to understand absolutely to the bits and pieces uh, what the Pinot Gris uh, is producing. Uh, it's called Extracta. Uh, this Pinot Gris Extracta is actually uh, a wine uh, which is made on must. Uh, so the wine is kept uh, for three, four months on must on the skins uh, and actually the juices or the juice is reduced uh, so it's fully uh, submerged or the, the grapes are fully submerged in the whole container contain of the of the juices and outside, uh, outcome uh, is very robust uh, almost red-like um, uh, wine uh, which provides all the understanding all the notes of Pinot Gris uh, again deep dava, uh, lava magma-like color. Uh, and then uh, we are uh, enjoying the Pinot Gris Volcanic, uh, 
which is uh, Tchaikov's, uh, I would say, orange, proper orange wine, uh, which is macerated on skins. After that goes uh, to barrels, uh, old uh, oak barrels, and kept there for uh, eight, ten months. And the outcome uh, is, is, if you know Pinot Grigio or Pinot Gris, uh, the, the the notes, the taste, uh, all of that day, it's sort of like a signature uh, wine of that of that grape. Moving on, Blau Frankish or Frankovka Modra, um, I would say one of the most prevalent wine or, or grapes in, in Slovakia. Um, we are drinking uh, the wine which was macerated for uh, almost three weeks on the grapes and then oaked for a, for a year. Um, it has full, nice, um, I want to say texture and nose, but sort of tones of... Uh, it's, 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 hard to, it's hard to describe. Um, definitely pepperness, uh, sort of candied fruit, as uh, Priyanka said. Beautiful, beautiful profile. Medium, medium bodied. Nice texture, uh, a little bit of of, of soils. Uh, definitely the uh, the mm. the soil, the the a little bit of creepy, but definitely the minerality is sort of like uh, punching through the through the tannins. Very 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 nice wine. I would I would call it a, a light gastronomic mm. uh, a wine uh, for wine pairing or by glass. As everyone knows, I love Austrian wine, and it's just lovely to have. Now, uh, you know, a Blau Frankish or, you know, the Slovakian equivalent. And it, this one is not really like and not really representative of the Austrian variety. The Austrian variety for me is way more peppery, is, is way more spicy. And I'm getting way less of those notes here. And uh, yeah, it's, it's curious. I, I almost, as much Blau Frankish as I've <laughs> drunk this year, I would almost have struggled, I think, to identify this as a, as a Blau Frankish. It's got... Um, a, a lot more of the, I guess, more sort of subtle um, notes than, than I would have expected. Um, but yeah, lovely, very drinkable. And as you say, yeah, definitely gastronomic and drinkable. That versatility, you know, that word again. Visiting Marotindo in the same terroir of takeoff of uh, Vulca, so Sitno Vulcano, um, we are pouring there, I would say, funky wine really not for sale mm -hmm. called uh, repair uh, i was talking about the grapes uh, or, or grapes which are not recognized as grapes anymore uh Horvat, samorodak all of bulhar all of these all of these um, weird names let's say um the one thing about this uh, uh this grape and i'm i'm sorry to 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 swear but it's a bitch uh, to harvest uh, my mother was constantly talking about these stories because they were uh, having it in, in the vineyard. And this grape, uh, basically, when it's fully ripe and you touch the bunch, it's immediately fall off the bunch. And you need to basically pick each and every grape. Uh, so it was very hard to pick. And uh, one note which you have in smell of the grape when it's on in, in the bunch on the on the on the vineyard in the vineyard also in the smell of the wine and also in the taste in the wine is uh, the uh, strawberry but the forest strawberry the very small forest strawberries it's very vivid in it 
um, and uh, it's it's sometimes uh, sort of like a dessert wine because it's you can create a dry, dry wine from it, but because of this overpowering uh, strong smell and taste of it, uh, it's sometimes a little bit uh, harder to consume in a bigger amount. Yeah, I, this is a real highlight for me again. This um, repair. Um, and yeah, all the things you just said there about the forest strawberry and, and I I think for me, this wine is one of the closest I've ever had to just like capturing that, like, you know, bunch of wild fresh fruit, you know, I, I really feel like I'm putting my nose into like a bowl of freshly picked fruit here, which I was actually lucky enough to have when I was over in Australia, you know, and that freshness of when you get a piece of fruit and it's there and it's right in front of you, it's captured in this wine. This is lovely. Petnut of uh, Marvaltindo called Sedimental. Uh, very interesting. Uh, I would call it medium yeasty uh, petnut. Uh, it's made from Rhine Riesling, collected in, uh, collected in one vintage made a stainless steel sort of approach uh, wine from it it sits on a fine lease for a year and waiting for next vintage uh, and when the next vintage juice uh, or grapes are collected and uh, the, the juice in high fermentation point uh, the juice is added to the to the existing wine bottled and let for uh, the secondary fermentation um, it's 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 well made uh, pet nut I would call it um, uh, sort of opening salva for for the evening. Uh, this is definitely something you can taste, uh, or you can you can serve when you have a sort of like a wine dinner, uh, to sort of uh, like you would do uh, with a bottle of champagne or something like that too, uh, for for your uh, visitors uh, to sort of open the evening. Uh, it's 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 really really drinkable. Um, uh, it's it's bottled with yeast, of course, because it's the pet nut. Uh, it has beautiful profile on nose, beautiful profile on on taste. I love pet nuts in general, but often I get a note on the nose that doesn't agree with me. I got to say, it's if you guys know Alka Seltzer, this kind of taste—I don't know what what that is—but Alka Seltzer, and even through the nose and through the um, palate as well, um, not fruity. You know, this very much at the kind of fizzy end of the spectrum, um, and not often like wine you know in, in my experience this is at the other end this is at the kind of the fruitier end this is like like you said i love what you said earlier about this is wine good wine made into a pet nut which for me is just sitting way better and i think is almost more versatile because even then without the bubbles you've still got a great wine you don't have to smash this all in one evening you know if you've got half a bottle left the next day you still got a great wine to enjoy and savor diving into a bottle of Veltlin's Eleni uh, it's a world play uh, word play on the Veltlin Zeleni uh, Gruner Veltliner uh, harvested in the uh, smaller patches of uh, uh, the vineyard and then combined together um, it's to me, uh, I was tasting the uh, last, uh, I guess, autumn uh, in Prague, uh, the youngsters of Milan Nestarets, and uh, this wine is very much when I'm tasting it. It's 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 it's, it's reminding me uh, those youngsters. 
um, again, uh, this is wine which is better to drink than talk about. For me, that is all about the herbs. It is bringing out fresh herbs in, on the nose and in the palate in a way that I would just love to see, you know, somebody who is a chef or somebody who is very um, gastronomic bring that together with a, a, a specific dish for that wine. It's, it's really great. We are drinking Maratindo Essencia, uh, which is Essencia of Pinot Noir. Uh, so it's a Rosé wine. Uh, it has a skill contact uh, around those 24 hours. And after that, it goes to the stainless steel. Um, this wine, actually, I, I tried it first time when it was delivered to us. In, 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 it was sort of like a blind, a blind purchase from the winemaker. Um, but to me, when I tasted it first time, um, it was very personal sort of experience uh, because I don't. Sometimes you have these tastes or smells you remember from the first grade of elementary school or something like that. Um, when I smelled and tasted this wine first time, I somehow uh, found myself in in the backyard of my grandmother or grandfather um, uh, house, where there there I, I can I can remember there were chickens around. There were some uh, uh, grain heap. There was this uh, pear tree uh, with a uh, sort of like a, a fallen fruit on the on the on the ground and sort of stamped over, and all of these smells combined together created some kind of um, I don't know some some kind of mental imprint, which all of a sudden was you know brought up by this wine. It, once again, this is very sub subjective some personal experience but I, I i really enjoy this 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 wine because of this if i was gonna sum this up um in short i would just say strawberries and cream perfect perfect which i second for me it smells like strawberries and cream tastes like strawberries and cream super consistent and but again it keeps that kind of fresh note you know that, that, that what we talk, spoke about earlier with the kind of wild strawberry this is very much for me like a bowl of strawberries and cream like the real fruit and the the real cream right there in front of you so uh, we established we have a, a, a thirst thirst quenching Pesetska uh, Leanka in our um, glasses uh, it's coming from the uh, from the uh, the the the, the Brloce. Uh, Pivnica Brloce, a winemaker, um, uh, amazing wine which is very robust in acidity. Uh, we sort of introduced this wine as a, as a working wine, uh, as uh, this wine, from history point of view, was really uh, uh, taken to the vineyards, the grandfathers, fathers uh, were taking it to the vineyards with them and drinking it throughout the days, cutting it with water. Uh, because the acidity and the, the fragrance is allowed for 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 that, it still keeps very interesting, uh, very drinkable. Um, it's beautifully uh, sort of rounded in terms that it cleanses the, the the palate on your in your in your mouth. Um, actually, uh, the Pesetska Leanka or Berlotze was made half half. Half of the wine was made in style and steel to preserve all, all the beautiful fruitiness and, and, and sort of uh, the notes uh, of, the, of, the, of the grapes. And half of it went to the barrels to sort of round it the acidity uh, so it's not so pointy. And after that, it was 
uh, blended together or sort of married together and bottled. It's it's very s- sort of simple wine, I want to say, uh, in terms of understanding it. It's very straightforward, but very, very, very interesting. Yeah, I've been uh, encouraged to mix this with a little bit of Simply M&S, <laughs> sparkling Scottish mountain water. Um, and yeah, it, it just, again, I'm just thinking summer. I'm just thinking sitting outside with friends and having it maybe a little bit more chill than it is now, but, you know, super refreshing and super accessible. And I just think that, you know, we can't be too precious about how we have our wines. You know, we have to bring people in and I think we have to create sounds dodgy <laughs> we have to create like gateway drugs for people you know into the wine world and if somebody is like only having beer or only having Prosecco then some of this with a bit of sparkling um, Scottish mountain water <laughs> that will get them into your you know into your world of, of um, Slovakian wine love it Pivnica Berhlovce Beltlinka um, usually this wine would be called Veltlinske Zelene, uh, Gruner Veltliner. Uh, what we have is Veltlinka, uh, different, different name for different sort of uh, wine, not to set up the expectation what is usually expected from the wine of Pinice Berlouce Veltlinske Zelene. Uh, this vintage uh, is special because of one thing, uh, 2016 uh, spring uh, came with frosts. Uh, spring frosts and that sort of like damaged the grapes, damaged the uh, the, the vineyard, and the vineyard uh, during the summer uh, developed naturally botrytis, uh, and after uh, or during the the, the, the autumn harvest, uh, the uh, the grapes had to be uh, hand hand picked, hand selected. Um, Strangely enough, uh, after the pressing uh, or creating the juice, uh, the fermentation was super long. Uh, the, the fermentation basically lasted from uh, October all the way uh, to fa- uh, February, March of the next year. Very slow fermentation and then uh, it naturally stopped. Uh, the outcome of the fermentation is off-sweet uh, white wine, fully fragranced, fully uh, developed wine, um, it, it, it's sort of a force majeure uh, of the winemaking where you are working uh, with what you have. I think what I'd just add here is that even though I generally, I do have a preference for more acidic wines, I think that when you have a balanced wine is a good wine. To, you know, to me, it, it, that's a sweeter wine that's maybe sweeter than I would naturally go for but it's got levels it's got layers it's got balance so it's super drinkable you know um so a uh, quick introduction to the uh, last bottle we have from Pivnice uh, Berlovce uh, from the guys from under the volcano it's called Corabella uh, as the winemaker is actually calling his wife <laughs> Corabella um, we are looking at the blend of Alibernet and uh, the Blau Frankish. Um, this is uh, still uh, sort of riding the wave of minerality and acidity plus uh, the more sort of level of tannins. Uh, it's much more grippier. It stays longer in your mouth. Uh, to me, this is a well sort of gastro wine for pairing with uh, the heavier meats, steaks, uh, anything like that. 
fantastic. Yeah, that, that region I knew from Marvel Atindo, which I guess is the most famous international of the three. Um, but I, I love the way the minerality is coming in. I, I'm, I say I'm a kind of an acidity freak, but I'm also a minerality freak as well. And I just, that is the um, underlying, unsurprisingly, that is the underlying um, element coming through in all of those wines. Yeah. We are traveling way, way, way east to Slovakia, uh, to the borders of uh, Hungary. So sort of like very east end part uh, and south part of that east end part. <laughs> um, uh, we are located in the Slovak Tokaj. Uh, not many uh, people or listeners uh, might know that Tokaj as a Hungarian region has uh, a corner uh, which is spanning all the way to Slovakia. Uh, it's very tiny, I would say. Um, and uh, we have a, I would say, a gem or a pearl of East Slovakia importing to 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 the United Kingdom. Uh, his name is Matusz Doviak. Uh, lately, uh, or uh, recently, he started to uh, actually uh, export his wine. Uh, he is a winemaker who uh, has a, a lot of audience, and he was able to basically um, uh, source or, or or sell all of his. Uh, production directly to the customers, uh, but uh, lately, or, or but we were able uh, to sort of attract him uh, to bring his bottles to uh, to London. Um, he has amazing uh, pet nuts. Uh, one of its uh, of, of 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 the pet nuts, it's called Rampage, uh, and especially 2016 vintage is amazing. Uh, as Matush called it, uh, it is uh, a breakfast pet nut. It's very low in 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 uh, uh, alcohol. And uh, the yeasts uh, are almost not there. Uh, it's it's a killer pet nut for for uh, it's very drinkable. Uh, we are going to try uh, two of his wines. Uh, one is uh, his Ordinarium uh, Tokai Dry, and the other one uh, is uh, Furmint uh, 2016. Uh, let's let's dive in. Tokai region uh, generally is well known for uh, sweet ice wines produced uh, mostly in Hungary. Um, Azu, as they call it, uh, three, five, six, nine, eight Brutnosh. Um, it's very interesting to have uh, a, a dry wines uh, from from this region as well. And Matush is uh, definitely the representative of of this dry wine making. Of course, he's producing also uh, ice ice wines, and also he's a spearheading sort of uh, a persona in Slovak Tokai who brought uh, as a first person uh, the Georgian Quevri. Uh, to the region and uh, having uh, fun with that and creating wines as well. Um, currently, we have um, uh, Furmin 2016 uh, single varietal in the in the uh, glasses and having fun with that. Uh, what struck me like immensely was uh, again coming from the understanding of Tokai as a sweet wine. Uh, producing region um, and tasting the dry uh, variation of of these of these uh, grapes or wines, uh, you actually experience uh, a, a different, uh, I would say, uh, a palate or tastes, uh, and you find out that that the that the wines are pretty saline. Uh, they have a definitely a, a very distinguished uh, taste and and salinity in it. 
uh, as you die, dry them out and create these these beautiful beautiful wines. So once again, firm in 2016, um, uh, beautifully uh, perfumed uh, with uh, bits and pieces of salinity in 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 on your on your tongue. Like super super mineralic, like crazy mineralic and i don't know i'm not much of a sort of a cave and you know kind of go under the earth type person <laughs> uh, but i can imagine you know get down there and get down there kind of almost like closer to the to the earth's core and you're going to come across some smells like you're coming out of this wine but the taste is delicious yeah that salinity that you know calling for food gastronomic wine yeah ticks all the boxes has been has been named or pointed out we have sort of like onion uh, wine ever glasses uh, again from Matus Doviak uh, onion in terms that it has many layers uh, it has many layers in in in, in the uh, on nose and in the taste as well uh, the uh, the wine is called uh, Tokai dry ordinarium uh, 2015 uh, it's a off dry uh, uh, wine um, as as mentioned, there's a lot of lot of layers in on nose. Uh, again, you can you can smell uh, sort of the the the, the salinity really, and also like combined with the with the floral notes. Uh, same applies uh, to the taste profile. It's 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 beautiful wine. Uh, very different to uh, I would say what the listeners can can know as a as a Tokai wine, the the ice wine or the sweet wine. This is one of those wines that's taking me towards a spirit. I've done so many episodes. <laughs> I can't remember the, the last wine that I mentioned that was reminding me of a spirit. But this is actually doing that for me in the same way that you have those different levels of complexity in a spirit. It's coming through in this in this wine beautifully. Um, I'm guessing, of course, it's going to be yeah, 13%. It's not anything like as strong. But, you know, when you have that long age that comes from years and years and years in a barrel i'm getting something similar here a uh, similar level of complexity and, and just but here with a level of drinkability that you don't get in a spirit so yeah fantastic way to end things and to round off the tasting thank you so much to Willem and priyanka it was really fascinating listening back to the tasting. And I think you both did a fantastic job of sharing the stories of the winemakers behind the wines. Please do see below for the main social media contact details of Pandemonium Wines, as well as a contact email address. And of course, I would love to have you following along with me on social media, where I'm at Interpreting Wine on Instagram and Facebook at wine podcast on twitter and email hello at interpretingwine.com in the next installment of the lost episode series we journey to spain with winemakers in vinate in an interview i recorded back at the indigo tasting of february 2018 see you next time